0: Indeed, it's showtime. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of What's the Buzz. I'm Mad Dog DeScipio, joined as I am each and every night by Amelia the Pitbull Chapman. How are you, Amelia?
1: i do wonderful. How are you?
0: I am stoked and joked tonight, baby. We're going to have a good one. I got a a, a a literal and figurative heavyweight tonight. He is a... <laughs> <laughs> that was, and I'll tell you where that came from. <laughs> We have a guy who, um, who has made a, a really trailblazed himself a career unlike anybody else in Hollywood. He is the probably the most unlikely guy you would think of as a child to make it in Hollywood. But let me tell you something. Bruce Valanche defied <laughs> all the odds. And man, did he make himself a name. And he is our guest tonight, Bruce Valanche. Welcome to the show. Absolutely Hello, you to fire me. <laughs> We're
1: so honored to have you here
0: Thank It you. is indeed an honor to have you here We, oh uh, we right at the start oh of the brain. show, a shout out to yes. Mark Sotkin, producer, yeah. writer, director of television programs far and wide from the 70s to the current for, uh, for hooking us up with Bruce um, We got to talk right off the bat, Bruce, we got to talk about summer camp so uh, you you
2: you uh you know Mark from summer camp? He was six
0: here. years old, seven, something.
2: Like- oh, I guess that's when I first met him. Yeah, I guess uh, uh, we were at Camp Veritans which was a day camp in North Jersey. In uh, it was actually on the uh, the estate of Garrett Augustus Hobart who was vice president of the United States and he would have been a uh, president. He was vice president under McKinley would have been president when McKinley was shot, but he died before McKinley was shot. So it didn't happen, but there was a lot of money in the estate and uh, Patter- what's now William Patterson college is up there. And this camp that I guess uh, I, uh, my father and I guess Mark's dad were involved in setting up. It was like a, a Jewish service camp situation. Yeah. And uh, and it was a day camp, and uh, yeah, and and we met we met there. But then we wound up going to school together. Where we went to a private school for a few years because everybody was running to private schools because you couldn't get into colleges coming out of, of Patterson, New Jersey. They they something in the water. <laughs> you, might, you, might you had to go to a private school to get into college. So uh, and then we and then we uh, rendezvoused in Hollywood years later, and then post Hollywood. Years well, after I'll tell that. You what, we
0: are so grateful to have Mark Sotkin as a friend of the show. He's been with us probably five times now, four times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is, he's a really great right. guy, uh, and he's a friend outside the show as well. Let me okay. tell everybody a little bit about you, Bruce. Bruce Valencia right was born a long time ago in a land far away called New York City. He is a writer, an actor, performance artist, and sometimes Christmas elf. And he is universally regarded as a writing genius and best known for the films You Don't Mess with the Zohan, the Ice Pirates, <laughs> and writing co- his collaboration for the uh, Comic Relief Series, Comic Relief 5, uh, along with uh, Paulie Shore and Robert Townsend, and among notable others. We'll get through that list in a minute. Um, Louis Anderson. Uh, and he appeared uh, with, uh, also with his friend Billy Crystal on said program. He is witty, charming, dashingly handsome, and has one hell of a t shirt collection, which you will see tonight. Join me as I welcome two time Emmy Award winning writer, director, I'm sorry, writer, actor, and comedian Bruce Falange to the show. Bruce, welcome.
2: Yes, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. You left out the stripping part. I mean, I learned how to snatch a dollar bill off a table without using my hand. What can I tell you? I love this, man. Let's I'm talk a pro. about your,
0: your unlikely road into show business. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this. Uh, upon first inspection, you know, um, and I read a little bit about your childhood, um, it's interesting that you chose show business. Why not the you know, um, following the the family
2: business? Well, my father was a doctor uh, and the joke in the family was uh, Bruce is never going to be a doctor. He has no (laughs) patience. It was a funny family. Uh, And it's true. I was never going to, you know, I was was lousy in math, lousy in science. I was not going to go into that. At one point, they thought I'd be a lawyer because I like to uh, perform. And they kept saying, you know, you could be a trial lawyer and you could declaim like Perry Mason. Uh, I I said, no, I'd rather have an an audience. You know, I'd rather have people paying and laughing. But but they were very encouraging. I mean, from from the time they, they realized I was happy making faces in the mirror and performing you know, at dinner and stuff like that. And my mother was uh, a showgirl who had not really ever been a showgirl. She married a doctor, but uh, she was starstruck and she loved show business. And my father loved showgirls, obviously. And uh, mm-hmm. so he, he liked musicals, he invested in them. So we uh, uh, I grew up surrounded by it and, and I loved, what I, they encouraged it because they saw it was making me happy. So I was a child actor for a little while, but I was never a child star. Or we'd be having this conversation in rehab. <laughs> <laughs> they don't do well, child stars, as Bruce, a rule.
0: one of my they favorite don't... movies is called Mr. Saturday Night.
2: Billy Christmas yes. film. Yes. Now on Broadway, it's a musical. Uh,
0: yes, it is. And it's a hell yeah. of a show, too. I encourage people to check it out. Um, let me ask you about that film. Uh, it, you know, it, the story is a, a couple of brothers uh, that grow up in the Jewish family, grow up speaking Yiddish to each other. Um, and they take the performing in the living room for their relatives, you know. Um, yeah. How atypical is that of growing up in a Jewish family?
2: Well, uh depends on... Uh... It, it, when I when Mark Sacken and, and Billy Crystal and I were growing up, it was very typical because uh, there was still Yiddish uh, spoken uh, somewhere. And uh, and any kid who could you know, entertain uh, was kind of encouraged to do that because it was it was funny and because there were so many Jewish entertainers. Uh, and that was because obviously it was, it was a, a, yeah. when Jews were not allowed in the professions, we found other things to do, like invent Hollywood. And, you know, and invent well, Broadway and Vaudeville and all that. a of hell of a segue.
0: And I'll tell you what, I last night, in fact, I just saw, a, a first time I've ever seen it, called When Jews Were Funny. Mm-hmm. And the likes <laughs> of people, it Was have you ever seen it? No. I will no, send it to you. It what, is what, uh, what What Gentile made that? <laughs> oh, no, it was actually a guy named Rosenstein that directed it. <laughs> oh, a,
2: a self-hating <laughs> yeah. Jew.
0: It's uh Shelley Berman, a uh, Jack Carter, um, Mort Saul. Uh, oh my God, a uh, Green, uh-huh. uh, all, the, all the Borscht Belt guys, you know, and, and yeah. all members of the Friars Club. Right. Um, it it was a who's who of the Friars Club for real, but mm-hmm. it was an amazing film. And I was going, I was going to ask you about it. what is it about Jews that is just funny? Is it? I'm not making light of it, but is it the oppressive nature growing up? Sure. Is
2: it the family? It's a classic view of, uh, from the outside. Uh, and it's uh, uh, um, Donald uh, Pleasance wrote, I think, a play called The Man in the Glass Booth about Eichmann. And one of the lines in, uh, in the play is uh, the, one of the Israelis makes a joke and Eichmann says, gallows humor, the hallmark of the Jew. And you know it's true. Gallows humor is—you know—you're going to get executed, and you find something funny about it. And that is uh, exactly uh, what Jews did with ev- with everything that happened that was uh, oppressing us. We turned it around and, and made that something amusing. I mean, it, hello, springtime for Hitler is probably the most famous example yeah. of, uh, of of turning chicken shit into chicken salad. Yeah. So. I love. Uh, I also, yeah, you know, we come from a culture of uh, of it's it's a funny culture and uh, and a lot of of strange characters inhabit it. But that could also be said of Italians. It could be said of black people. It could be said of a lot of different groups. Uh, but I think uh, you don't see too many terribly funny wasps, and that's because they were in power, <laughs> so they didn't <laughs> well, make fun.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the, the whole thing was- well, yeah, Although there I mean, are some
2: very, you know, funny. I mean, and Shelley Berman ha- came up the same time as Bob Newhart, so there are funny wasps. You yeah, know, so. uh, um, it's, the, all those had... things are like are like crazy vast generalizations, but. Uh, huh? Uh, yeah. And, and well, if somebody writes something called "When Jews Were Funny," it means he doesn't think that they are anymore. That the younger generation. <laughs> so he already he already has a cross to bear. If that isn't a terribly gentile thing to say about. I
0: movies. had the pleasure in my life of knowing uh Jackie Vernon. He was a great yeah. guy. Well, he was course, a great uh,
2: deadpan comic. He was hysterical. Yeah. Oh my God, I, I loved him. He was we, hilarious. We that was talk. When I met Bette Midler, she was his opening act. 50, 50 years ago. I that, know. <laughs> opening for Jackie?
1: Wow. She opened
2: for Jackie to an audience of people who looked like Jackie. It was so strange. <laughs> it was like a bus driver's convention. <laughs> it was even the women looked like him. It was It was so disheartening. And um, they, they really they really didn't get her. They were waiting for him. They really didn't get her. But she soldiered through. I thought she was hilarious. And there was I a small coterie of um, yeah. people. Which was terrible. Oh my god, I but, love yeah. that.
0: Amelia. But, jump yes. Jump in here, Amelia.
1: <laughs> I was looking through that and jump you know that here, you Amelia. and I you and I have a birthday just a day apart.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, my Are birthday's you? on the 22nd of November. Oh, well, you
2: got you got assassination day.
1: Yes, I did. I was, yeah, unfortunately. I was
2: the day after assassination yes. day. But you're you're, much, you're you may have been born no, you're younger than that. You yes. Not mm-hmm. Poppy. I was yeah. in high school. Uh, really? But yeah, but so, but you're you're on the cusp. You could be a Scorpio yes. woman, which is always dangerous.
1: I and know. I'm, I but I'm a Sagio,
2: a Sagittarian, So, <laughs> but I'm the first dangerous grade, anyway. This shit. <laughs> <day, laughs>
1: I was gonna ask you, uh, as far as like when you were a little kid, I, what was your favorite subjects in school? Even though you said you didn't really care for math. Well, science? it
2: was uh, uh, English and history because I got to read a lot. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm a reader, and most writers are readers, so those are my favorites. Um, and but you know anything that involved uh, the other side of the brain, I was I was terrible at science. I was interested in science, I wasn't very good at it. Everything I would do would explode, you know, no matter what. So um, and I was terrible at math, and uh, but I was uh, you know I had I had all the uh, um, the bachelor of arts kind of leanings, mm-hmm. English and history.
1: Did you ever take theater classes to where you had to talk like to an empty chair? Because I had to do that once in Yeah, class. Well,
2: that was in college. We didn't yeah. have that. Uh, we, had, um, we didn't have any theater per se. We had mm-hmm. uh, speech, which was kind mm-hmm. of like mm, borderline theater because you had to do, perform a little bit and, mm-hmm. and do things like that. Although I don't remember ever having to talk to the chair. I, that, I, I watched Clint Eastwood do that many, many years later on a political broadcast. But um, we had a we had a you know a theater department. We did shows. I acted in a whole lot of shows. And we had a woman named Grace George, who was uh, not to be confused with the English actress. And she ran the theater, the, 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 whole, the whole theater part of the high school in, in Patterson. And we did great stuff. And it was, uh, you know, it, was, it saved my life because I got to actually perform for real people. Oh, that's
1: awesome. And, and I saw that you were also in Hairspray as well.
2: Well, did that you- was me. Many years later, many years later but, as well. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was a few hundred years later, basically.
1: <laughs> I don't think years years. that was that many years ago. <laughs>
2: but that was always what I, I, always wanted to do that. So it was kind of the realization of a dream, but it was a, like a dream deferred, like a Well, let's talk space. about Hairspray for a second. Yes. You
1: played Edna.
2: Right? Yes, uh, that
0: was my favorite stayed, character well,
1: out of the whole thing. I love Edna. How much favorite. were
0: you inspired by the performance of Divine to play Edna? Or did you yeah. put your own spin on Edna?
2: Well, I was inspired by Divine. And I was inspired by Harvey Firestein, who created mm-hmm. the musical version of it. True. Um, okay. But I, I did put my own, my own spin on it. I mean, among other things, I got to rewrite part of it because Harvey had rewritten it. Mm. Harvey had written it. He hadn't written the show. But when he got into the show, they let him write things for him. And and so a lot of this stuff was Harvey stuff, you know, that it had yeah. involved his I mean he would he would say, uh he would say, Oh, I'm like a pair of old nylons. Stretch <laughs> out. Well, you know, you can only do that if you want to imitate Harvey and and it, that voice, which is inimitable. And I didn't want yeah. to do that. So I yeah. changed those lines so there was something Better love for Harvey. me, and the funny part of it was that with those rewrites stayed in the show once I put once I did them. Because oh, beautiful! Other people didn't want to imitate Harvey either, so yeah. So
0: talking, one of the things that you're known for is writing the Academy Awards, um, and yes. you've won Emmys for for the Academy Awards. Yes. Um, let's talk. I want to juxtapose the, the conversation a little bit in this regard. My background is professional wrestling. And we have something in wrestling called a work and a shoot. You know, a work, you obviously know what a work is. It's when you're, you're working the audience. And a shoot is straight up the truth, okay? It's what's happening at the moment. Ah. The Will Smith, Chris Rock situation. Oh, yeah. In terms of
2: professional wrestling, was that a work or a shoot? Oh, that uh, that was a shoot. It was not a bit. It wasn't. It wasn't prepared. I was going to ask you: Can mm-hmm. someone write that and get away with it? Or? No, uh, no. It, it, we, yeah, I was. I was not involved with the show. I was involved peripherally in that I I wrote for some people on the show, but I was not a writer on the show. Right. So I, I didn't get paid uh, by the show. Yeah. However, I was so I was watching it. I was actually in New York and I was watching it. And uh, when it started, I thought this is interesting. And then when it didn't go anywhere, I said, "This is not. This is actually happening. This yeah. guy has anger. Is having an anger management crisis, and he's and acting it out, out in front of him. the world. Yeah. And it, it did. It wasn't a bit because it had no out. There was no, you know, there was no out. There was no tag. There was nothing that made it into a bit. It was just. Yeah. It was real." In other people words,
0: people in the wrestling, and the reason we're talking about this now, people in the wrestling business were betting money that that was a work. They, but well, here's the thing though where's the payoff? Where's the there punch was no
2: payoff? Yeah, that's, exactly. that's, yeah, my point that it, it, there would have been if there would have been a payoff, it may not have been strong, but there would have been a payoff, and there was no payoff, and yeah. that's how you knew that it was that it was uh not rehearsed, not a bit, nothing. Now, the joke. I have a feeling that Chris just came up with that joke when he was looking at Jada and just kind of threw it in. I, uh, I don't think anybody would have written that joke because it's common knowledge among people who pay attention to this kind of thing that she has alopecia and that that's why yeah. she had a safe head. And Chris says he didn't know that. And I'm sure if somebody had written that joke, somebody else would have said, we can't do that. Yeah, we wouldn't have gotten that far. So I I have a strong suspicion that he came up with it on the spot, or he yeah, came up with it and didn't tell anybody and just did it.
0: I was I was watching a, a bunch of folks sit around talking about that one actually on a podcast. Yeah, and I thought to myself, well, they're making you know sensible arguments for both sides, but my my uh, enduring question was always, where's where's the bit. Where's the pen? And I I don't hear
2: a sensible argument for it being a bit.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So crazy. The other thing that you're known for is comic relief. Um, Up on the screen right now are such uh, just a partial list of the writers of comic relief five. Louis Anderson, rest in peace. He passed away the same day my father died uh, this year. Um, Lost Louis and my father within 20 minutes of each other. Alan mm-hmm. Bly, Jim Carrey, Bob Einstein, a brilliant guy. Uh, Buzz Cohan, Pauly Shore, Robert Townsend, and Bruce Valench. Talk to me about the the mega power of a bunch of creative guys like this sitting around a room coming up with bits for comic relief. Uh, well, is there a... Co- here's the question then. Is it, a, is it a collaborative effort or is it the biggest ego wins?
2: Well, first of all, like, well, this is Comic Relief 5. Uh, we did 15 of them. And uh, I, I never knew any of these guys were credited. And uh, I don't know quite how that works because uh, Buzz and I were the writers of the show and everybody else came in with their own material and some of them evidently got screen credit for it because they wanted to get paid is the only thing I can, I can figure.
0: Oh, I got uh, you. Okay.
2: So, because I, I don't, uh, know what specifically would have been. We wrote every. Buzz tended to to write. Who's very funny tended to mm-hmm. write the serious pitches that non comedians did, and I would yeah. do the stuff that the hosts would do, Whoopi, Billy, and Robin, and uh, uh, and other things as uh, for other people as as it went along. So it was. It wasn't traditionally collaborative in there. It wasn't like Will and Grace, where a bunch of people sit around a table. And right. have a first draft that they rewrite. Um, this was, uh, and it was all piecemeal coming in. Basically, it was it was me and Buzz uh, doing all of the uh, the boilerplate for the show, and everybody else was throwing in their individual contributions. And as I say, we did fifteen of them, so there were yeah. uh, a lot How of. How is people. it determined, Bruce? Who who writes? You mean who was actually a writer on the show? They were hired by the producers, Pat Lee and okay. John Marshall. Yeah, had,
0: I don't know how that works. <laughs> I, I often wondered about, you know, whether it is um, a pol- like anything else, whether it's a political thing that, you know, who you know that gets you in or whether you've got some stroke with someone.
2: Well, uh, the show came about because a lot of comedians who had all worked with each other in the past and they had all worked with Pat and John because Pat and John had a show called Fridays yeah. uh, before Saturday Night Live and they or as a Kind of uh, competition almost, and they had not necessarily the news on HBO. So they they worked with a lot of different comedians, and yeah. everybody got together under uh, with a guy uh, at H Chris Albrecht was running HBO, and his college roommate uh, Bob Zemuda, uh came up with oh, the idea. And uh, so everybody kind of was just called everybody else in the beginning and, and got involved in it. But yeah, it was all people who knew people because yeah. we were all in that business. So we recently something...
0: lost um, Gilbert Gottfried, uh, Bruce. Yeah. Um, uh, a guy who, in my opinion, I think he was the uh, probably the most underrated comedian uh, of our day. He was. Wildly funny beyond uh, beyond measure. A lot of people don't appreciate that. I don't think because they he's just the guy with
2: the annoying voice, right? Well, that was his character. His impact. Well, I don't know about his impact, but his his character was uh, that that sort of whiny, aggravated, you know, cranky Jewish guy who I, you know, many of whom I grew up with, and it was. For my money, anything he said was funny because I mean he was just a funny guy, yeah. and and he would immediately go to that. What do you think about that? And it was it was hilarious. <laughs> and he also he was kind of no holds barred, but he was like genuinely funny. Listen, there were other. There was Sam Kinison, and there was uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. They were they were all shouting comics. They were all. They came on at the top of their lungs and uh, screamed about stuff. And Gilbert was was like the third one in that trifecta, but uh, <laughs> but the hell but of a trifecta. He was man. he was very spare. He would come in with a line as opposed yeah. to like you know, a whole attack. And uh, uh, I don't know you know what the impact. I mean, I, impact probably uh, happened when he told the aristocrats joke as uh, on a, on a roast, and it became an iconic thing. So yeah. much so that a documentary was made in which I appear. I would like yes, to point out, I know I have it. <laughs> uh, I'm an aristocrat, uh, about all these people telling the aristocrats' joke, and so that lived with him. And then, of course, he, uh, he got into trouble with AFLAC, which was a big income stream for him, yeah, he? oh, big time. Uh, well, Bruce, you know, he, was, he was one of the early cancellations, yeah, he did it, yeah, he, he sure did a, was. A, a tsunami joke. About Japan and they they uh, freaked out
0: well here's the thing Um, there were a couple things I wanted to talk about that that I'm sure you have opinions on Uh, after 9-11 happened uh, he went on Comedy Central was part of a roast and he made a 9-11 joke and someone from the audience shouted too soon
2: oh yeah too soon here's
0: the question I have for you is it ever too soon quote-unquote too soon to tell a joke,
2: to to try to make probably somebody... is probably. It? I mean, the the old formula is comedy is tragedy plus time, is comedy. True. So that would that You're would right. that would be too soon. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I guess you know later on. I mean, uh, and and did anybody die? That's always a question. Did anybody die? Yeah. I mean, I. I I used to, uh, occasionally when I when I perform, I tell a story about uh, uh, a Japanese woman farting in a store. Uh, it's a long involved thing, but she's terribly dignified and suddenly she farts. And that's part of the joke. And I said, really, when was the last time uh, a Japanese woman farted in Hiroshima? And the audience would go, ooh. And I'll go, too soon. <laughs> 1945, too soon. So, um <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's a joke. How did the aristocrat's joke become so iconic and why? Well, I, I think I just mentioned it, how it became yeah. iconic. Gilbert started telling it, yeah. and mm-hmm. as a result... But it, is it, that it, all it, it took? It's a joke that comics told each other. And it, mm-hmm. because Gilbert did it on a roast on yeah. the Comedy Central, it suddenly got into the, the zeitgeist. And it's it became iconic. Like, it's iconic, this
0: iconic thing that, that people, it's almost like a, a badge of honor that people carry, you know, that the,
2: that they're in on the Aristocrats show. I was oh, very flattered. We were doing Hollywood Squares, and the documentary team came and shot us and Penn and Teller, who were mm-hmm. on the show uh, at the same time on that show, and um, they came and they recorded They recorded all of us. I was very flattered to they did Whoopi as well, and I, I mean a whole bunch of people. I I only have one line in the thing, you know, fountains of jism. That's my line, <laughs> <laughs> because that's right. my embroidery. I mean, I, you can trace it back. You could if you actually watch the thing closely. There are certain people tell the joke a certain way, and I think that's because we all heard it from George Carlin originally. Yeah, and we all do a, a variation on George Carlin's uh, take True. on David Steinberg and. Um, a bunch of other people, and and in that movie you can see, and I hear them when they're telling it, I go, that's how I tell it. Yeah. But we all embroider. We all add the performance flourishes.
0: Incredible. Amelia, you're up to bat.
1: I also see that you're also on The Simpsons as well. I am on The Simpsons
2: season 11. Pokemon is the name of the episode. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I love it. Now they're on season
2: 38. Yes. Uh, from the day I was on that show, I, I got calls from people I grew up with saying, oh my God, my kids think I'm so cool because I know you.
1: <laughs> they saw you on yes. the
2: Simpsons. Your, your character, character was on the Simpsons.
1: perfect. So they lovely. did you perfect with the t-shirts, your hair, it was, your glasses. They, got, and they it really was, did. And, I, and was, I went in and
2: recorded it. You know, I went mm-hmm. in and I recorded it. And mm-hmm. I had one line to record. And as I was leaving, Elizabeth Taylor was arriving. Mm-hmm. And oh, she wow. was uh, had one line to record as Maggie, the baby, the Boo Boo, or something like that. And, uh,
1: <laughs> yes. and I, it was I hilarious. Knew, I knew
2: her. We did a lot of uh, AIDS uh, benefits together. That's and so funny. Um, but but we we uh, we when, when you did those things, when you do a guest shot, they send you a trunk of mm-hmm. Simpsons uh, merch. All this swag, stuff that they're not going to sell. I mean, uh-huh. and uh, we called and compared notes to see what we got. We both got uh <laughs> Homer Simpson's bowling ball, which looks <laughs> like it's in a bag. Uh, the bag is priceless. The ball is big oak yellow and kind of like filmy and has no holes. It has two red dots <laughs> with a magic marker thing saying drill holes here. <laughs> oh, my
1: God, that's,
2: and and that's it's now hilarious. it's my the the bitter assistant keeps saying oh this is the ebay item this will see you through your old age when you sell this
1: mm-hmm. yes <laughs>
2: okay. even yeah. on the
1: simpsons game yeah, also. You never know. Yeah.
2: Warhol, 195 yes. million for that maryland <laughs> so, um, i may be sitting on, a, on an egg yolk gold mine here <laughs>
1: Well, even on the Simpsons game, you're a ca- little character there, too. But you have to have, like, so many donuts just to even buy you.
2: So I'm not gonna, there I yet. Ooh, I the game I'm not now. there I yet. How do you know this shit? <laughs> I, I play play know that. That's But there have been, like, you know, yes. 20 years of other people since no. I did. That's amazing.
1: Yes. I, I still haven't gotten there yeah. yet. I still have to collect a lot of donuts to get you. <laughs>
2: Uh-huh. Amelia, how did you, you know this stuff? You have to want. make a cover to Mr. Burns and see where
1: right? they. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> I play the Simpsons game, and he's a kid, ke- little character on there. and You have to get so many donuts just to get it by him. This is what know you put know your time. Yeah.
0: Bruce <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: I have to get his
1: little character on the game. Yes, I have to. Get oh get <laughs>
0: Now, i myself. Under yourself, woman. Jeez.
1: <laughs> hey, he's a popular person on the game. I have to get well, him on the game. <laughs> apparently,
2: yeah. I didn't, yeah. had no idea. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy <laughs> stuff. Me either. <laughs> Me either. On, Let's God, talk
0: no. about We had a guy on the show last night, Bruce, uh, uh, a film director. Uh, just did a, a, um, a film with uh, Michael Paray and Eric Roberts. He's a, a God fearing Christian guy, but he writes uh, horror. He oh, writes wow. deep, dark horror. Yes. Yeah. So much my of the, So much, much of horror, horror, horror is
2: religious. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> right? <And there's>, you'd <laughs> like to have a piece of the Exorcist. I can tell you that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So here's my question. I asked him, "Where does your mind go to to have to write that stuff?" Right. And he gave us, you know, the answer. He gave us. Here's the question I have for you. You're yeah. an Emmy award-winning writer. you you've written and i have just a partial list i want people to take a look at this mm-hmm. this is a partial list just wow. a partial list Good of Lord, it looks like the, the back
2: of somebody's album with the lyrics
0: here's here's my question where does your mind have to go to come up with this stuff like well, you've written a lot you're regarded as a genius <laughs> People regard you as a genius and and funny and poignant and and you know and no filter, um, and we're going to talk about that tonight too. But you've got you know everything here from hairspray to the Academy Awards to uh, to uh, you know um, something that I'm fascinated. By. I'm I'm looking at it right now. Um, it was called uh, oh where was it? It was. Hold on I'm gonna re- I want to I want to make sure I get this cuz it's funny stuff. Um <laughs> yeah it, it is and I want to make sure that I get it. <laughs> here it is. Oh, right, here it is. Here we go. It is called and I want to know uh it was a um um oh god where was it? Hell damn.
2: I'm I'm just on pins and needles. Yes, it is. Here we go. Which I kind of enjoy being on, but I won't go into that. Fucking with the fucking Another with rip. the stars. Here it is. Fucking with, fucking the, stars. with the stars. Oh my god! Yes. I won an award for that. I like that. I know. It's, it's, it a non sexual role, however. It's a, a, it's a gay porn, and I, and it was um, me and Shishi Larue, who directs a drag queen who directs a lot of uh, gay porn. And uh, Coco Lachine, who's a drag queen, who I, I guess is in, I don't know if she's in gay porn or not. But we were the judges. It was it was Dancing with the Stars, and we were supposed to be judging these various pornographic scenes that we saw. But, of course, we didn't see any of them. Uh, we went into a studio for an hour, and we shot reactions that said, now, in this scene, this happens. And we said, oh, okay, fine. And we made up stuff as we went along. And and it was interspersed with the actual porno, which we never got to see, and I still haven't actually seen it. But it was nominated for an award, and I was nominated for best non-sexual performance.
0: At, yeah, uh, I, I
2: saw that. one. Awards, which are a uh, uh, gay a gay porn award show out of Chicago.
0: I, I saw it's that. I, 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 I gotta ask him
2: about. I, I lost. I forget who. I forget who actually beat me. You should pardon the expression, but. Uh, <laughs> but but I I, I don't have that particular loose side on my shelf. Amelia, one of your
0: favorite favorite segments of the show is coming up.
1: Yes, yay. Before
0: we do that, got a word from our sponsors. Bruce, hang on. Watch it. Amelia, close your ears, Amelia. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have sweaty balls or volleyball netty balls? It's time to make them ready balls. The Manscaped.com Lawn Mower 3.0 will do the job and clean your knob with its patented no nick head so your head will function as desired. Enter promo code WRESTLINGFUTURE for a generous 20% discount. That's enter WRESTLINGFUTURE for a 20% discount. Manscaped.com And wrestling with the future? Going balls to the walls with Manscaped.com and the Lawn 3.0, your balls will thank you.
2: And so will we.
0: Okay, Amelia, it's uh, safe down. now. It's safe now. <laughs> it's safe now. Your favorite <laughs> segment of the show, Amelia, show Yay. and tell.
1: Yay. Bruce, Let's this is it. a
0: segment we do here called show and tell. We're going to um, we're going to walk through some photos and tell us
2: what was going on here. Uh, I think I was being goosed. <laughs> uh, a happy smile. Uh, that's the Oscars. You know, there's Oscar. Yeah, there he is. Okay. Uh, this was a Let's show I my, these- my one man show off Broadway I did uh, about 20 years ago, but uh, obviously before hairspray because I still had the beard.
0: Yeah. Um, let's talk about these t shirts of yours. You have one hell of a t shirt collection.
2: That's a lot. Well, when you have boobs like these, you got to show them off. <laughs> yeah. That's my mother. That is my mother, Henny Valance. And that is, uh, I think, opening night of hairspray on Broadway. Got it. Okay. And, uh, I forget what t shirt oh, I'm beautiful wearing. Beautiful picture. She was, she was, I mean, she was, yeah, she was a showgirl. She was fabulous.
1: Oh, she was beautiful. Yeah.
2: And you look dashing in that picture, by I the way. I love it. Very well, you know. I, I you know, at, nobody at knows. i gorgeous at the end, she's a beauty queen at the end of the show. There's, so here's, yeah, this is what I was not nearly as blonde, but, <laughs>
1: but I don't know who I'm
2: standing next to. It could be anybody, yeah. This is obviously a winter shot. Oh, it's, it's Toronto. <laughs> I remember it's Priscilla Queen of the Desert, which was the musical that Bet Bet produced. One of the two
0: this that. is one of my favorites.
2: Uh, cleaner heaven. Yeah. Uncle
0: Woody's Wiener, Heaven, Uncle Woody's fun and Wiener fun. Heaven.
2: And I have a brother named Woody. I mean, <laughs> I, I might for my birth family. I was adopted when I was four days old, but I've right. recently found my birth family, and his name is Woody. That's Just amazing. Pause wow. LA. Uh, that's a nice charity. Yeah. I mean, the shirt's great. great but but all. Have you it's
0: tried good. donuts? I love that.
2: <laughs> my pen is huge.
0: I love that shirt.
2: By the way. <laughs> I love that On behalf of writers everywhere, Mellow Birds, Fabulous. not Angry Birds, Mellow Birds. Mellow Birds, exactly. <laughs> They're right there, bae. God hates fags. Everybody dance. This is uh, <laughs> <laughs> that. the That lunatic. That was very fat. That lunatic <laughs> from Kansas. Fred felt amazing stuff. Yes, there I am. Yes, with a. Oh wow, I was gigantic. That's. Where right was
0: this had, photo had,
2: taken? You got it was it was on some red carpet, um but and it's a, a fabulous angle. Uh, it was my audition for Job of the Hutt, oh, which geez. I hope to get in, in the Star <laughs> Wars thing. but I you know they, they cast an actual uh, I don't character.
0: remember I don't ever remember you being in that that followed your career pretty good. No, I, I was
2: I was that this was uh, that's Marissa Jarwin-Oker, who played my daughter in Hairspray, and that is my post-performance haircut. I was very large after Hairspray because I kept eating like I was doing eight shows a week, and I wasn't. And eventually, I had to have a belt, you know. A, yeah. Put in. And, there was, uh, you did me, a I lot really, of a, red carpet a, shoots. I do a lot of yes yeah, to show up. I love Taine, that
0: by the way. Can you see that, Amelia? Alan B. Davis,
2: who played the Alex- hace- 80- Brady Bunch, and I wrote the Brady Bunch Variety Hour. <laughs> and uh, there's poor Allison in Chains. Uh, I she love has a, that <laughs> he has a band named after her, so that's good. Creature of yeah. the Black Lagoon was an early oh, yeah. movie that I saw as a kid. And uh, I just love the t-shirt. There's Franco. But yeah. I don't know if i actually standing next to him, I guess. Uh, maybe I am. Yes,
0: yeah. yeah, sure right. And I wanted to talk about this because uh, one of the headlines we pulled was Bruce Valance criticizes James Franco's. Oscar hosting, Franco Fields Betrayed, whose side are you on? Talk to us about what happened here, because it did make some news.
2: Oh, it was very brief, but, um, uh, well, he you know, he bombed on the Oscars, and then I was acting on the red carpet for Priscilla Queen of the Desert, and they asked him what I thought. And I said, well, he was out of his comfort zone, and he, had, uh, he brought in some writers who uh, didn't, do him any uh, favors we had to rewrite a lot of the stuff and then that got picked up by the vulture in in, in new york magazine and uh, and i got uh 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 then they they went to him for a quote and he said oh my god he said uh he made some kind of a joke and and he i think he was stoned or loaded and he he had a picture and he drew stuff on it and um uh, and then he apologized the next day. He apologized. And then about a, a few months after that, um, he fired his manager, who his manager was up on embezzling charges and all that. And he wrote oh me my a letter God. Letter Oh, my Saying that how he'd been in a really bad place. And, uh, and he was sorry that he did all that, that he thought I was a good guy. And you know, yeah. We, we joke. You know, he, he loves to play these characters. He said he wanted to. He had just played, when we did the Oscars, he played Allen Ginsberg. Alan Ginsberg, the hippie, the Beatnik poet from Patterson, New Jersey, who, oh, yeah. uh, who worked in my father's office, and uh, uh, my father and his father were very friendly. Luke, Lewis Ginsberg, the math teacher. Anyway, he had played Alan Ginsberg in a movie, and he uh, he said, "Now I want to play you." <laughs> so I was <laughs> telling him about Alan Ginsberg, and he said, "I want to play you in a movie." And it's been a it's been a running gag. I mean, I haven't seen him lately, but you know, because he. He, yeah, he was kind of like semi-cancelled, and now he's, he's working his way back.
0: Yeah. Talk to me about this book. I didn't know that, there, that such a book a, existed.
2: A book, well, When I was on Hollywood Squares, you know, we know on television every night, they come to you with book offers because yeah. you're a famous person. So I didn't have a book that I could write at the time, uh, but I had a collection of articles I'd written for magazines from as diverse as Playboy and The Advocate and a bunch of – and so they published this collection.
0: Oh, and true. it was the best okay.
2: couple of weeks, because I was on TV every night. Sure. And now it's a collector's item, which means you have to spend real money on eBay, or you'll find it in the bin of the subway station on 14th Street. One now,
0: the you other. wrote the foreword for this book. I um, did, Frank
2: DeCaro, yes. It's a great book. True. It's really kind of a, a, a compendium of, uh, of drag. And uh, since I've worked for every drag queen I, at the at the time, I mean I worked for every drag queen pre RuPaul, and then I have right. worked on RuPaul's Drag Race many times. So, um, as a comedy mentor, as a judge, as all of these, once a Santa Claus, so I very very well versed in the demi Moan. Yeah, yeah. That's not that's not an actress's name. That's back so to UK. right?
1: Yeah, I see that you did a lot of charity work, too. That's wonderful that you helped a lot yeah, of charities.
2: Well, when, you, when you grow up Jewish, you're taught that uh, everybody hates you, no one's going to help you. You have to do it for yourself.
1: Absolutely.
2: And uh, it's become, I kept saying, it's a good motto for the gay community, which was my other minority, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the fat people is my, other, my third minority. But uh, I've always found that... Uh, uh, you, know, you, you have to take care of your own, and, and that's where the charity sprang from. My parents were, were very philanthropic types. My father was a big pro bono doctor for, for old, the old senior Jewish community in Jersey, mm-hmm. and uh, my mother was very active in a lot of different uh, organizations. So I grew up surrounded by that, as well as show business, that, oh, yeah. that kind of example.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. That's how I've, I raised my kids, too, because my grandparents, my, 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 side, my mom's side of the family were the same way growing up Hispanic. My grandfather was uh-huh. a mechanic, and my grandmother was a homemaker, and he did the same thing. He would do the pro bono, a lot of mechanic work. And my grandmother always made sure she had plenty of food, so whoever came by, so they always had food on the table for everybody, whoever wanted to come by, so that you pay it forward exactly. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about that. And you always did that. And I see that you're, you know, you always contributed to that.
2: Bruce, how hard is it to be funny today? It's very, very difficult because everybody is so (laughs) sensitive. Yeah. You know, I mean, anything you say, I mean, you, as, as I say, as a card carrying member of several minorities, I get it. I get when they make fun of my minorities, but we also have to have a a sense of humor. The problem is now everybody is so serious about this that there Mm -hmm. are, Massive repercussions. It used to just be well, get over it. It's a show. Change the channel. Whatever. But now, no, that's not enough. They want you to never work again. They yeah. want you. They want you to be homeless in a tent with no revenue stream. They won't be happy until that happens. The good news is that there's pushback on local. and the people are saying, no, you know, it's time to be reasonable. Yeah. I mean, and and the accuser is not automatically to be believed. There is a thing called due process, and you ha- and and even when you tell a joke, it's kind of like, this doesn't make you Hitler because you told a joke. Right. Uh, uh, so it's, um, you know, everything has to be put in context. And it, because people are finally saying, you know, there's woke and there's insomniac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's good to be woke, but it's bad to be an insomniac. Absolutely. You, I- you have no sense of humor and you're, you're, sense of proportion and perspective goes out the window, so
0: uh, yeah, that, that I think crazy. we're beginning to
2: see the, the curve of this thing uh, happen I don't
0: understand this. that as somebody that, that, I actually ran comedy clubs for, for a little while. Uh, I ran a chain of comedy clubs called Laugh Tracks. They're all closed <laughs> now. Um, easy to see why. Um, it yeah, was
2: really. Yeah. Well, it was I, just I think a lot of you know that that in the '80s comedies, comedians were superstars. And oh my God, so, it was I crazy, mean, wasn't People it? like uh, Jerry Seinfeld and Roseanne and and Jerry Romano, and Tim Allen became gigantic wealthy people because oh, they did huge. their act. They turned their acts into TV series, so it attracted a lot of people who really weren't very funny. Mm-hmm. But also, a lot of people said, "Oh, this is much cheaper than running a music venue." You put a, a music stand with a, a stool and a, and a bottle of water, and the and that's that's your expense. Yeah, that's so, it. Um, so there were a lot of comedy clubs that, that in places where there shouldn't have been in strip malls and, and stuff. And the, a lot of the talent that was there wasn't very good. And after a while, it just mm-hmm. became its its own worst enemy. And Incredible. It, now you know. Now it's like well, then COVID you know, years later, mm-hmm. COVID happened, and but now it's, I mean. Who would want to go into you know a situation now, especially where where all of a sudden your 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 audience feels they can go up on stage and pimp slap anybody they don't like? Well, I'll tell you what, there was
0: I saw something happen, it was frightening that it happened. Uh, I saw a, a guy on stage take a guitar and waffle a oh heckler in the front row. I mean he smashed him clean over the head with this guitar. Well, that's
2: different. That's that's some that's a salt with a deadly weapon. <laughs> wow! Uh, it's oh it's,
1: my it's, goodness! It's apples and oranges,
2: Angelo. I don't know how to it.
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, if you're not going to want to be made fun of, don't sit in the front row. <laughs> well, no, so
2: but hey, you know Gallagher Gallagher used to give out tarts. To people, oh my so god, I love Gallagher. So you're gonna oh, get yes. People Don't come at me with your dry-cleaning bill after the show. Here's the (laughs) Cover your ass. You're going to get wet. One of the
0: things that Mark Sodkin and I talked about on the last show was the difference between funny and funny. Mm -hmm. Um, That line comes from uh, my favorite year, a film that's one of my favorite films.
2: Um, (coughs) I love that movie.
0: Yeah. Bill Macy's character says to Benji Stone... Um, it's not that it wasn't funny; it's just that it wasn't funny. So mm-hmm. my question to you, B, is what is the difference between funny and funny?
2: Well, I I I, I don't know. I mean, no one's defined this, and I I think that in in uh, I don't know if he put it in another context. Norman Steinberg wrote uh, that movie, and I don't know if Norman put it if there was a follow up remark that explained it or if it's just that one non sequitur but yeah. i would say that you know when a lot of when a lot of people who are in the comedy business are uh sitting in an audience watching and somebody does something funny they go funny they don't laugh they say funny and that but when something is really makes them laugh that's yeah. funny. but mm-hmm. and i said before about gilbert gilbert was funny and he didn't have to do anything necessarily i mean his his whole demeanor was funny. Um, B. Arthur never had, to, didn't need a line of dialogue. Somebody yeah. would say something and she would give you the reaction. But, yeah, the lot. gigantic mm-hmm. laugh because you knew whatever she said was going to be killer. Yeah. And sometimes it wasn't killer. And Mark, you know, wrote a lot of that for her on Golden Girls. Yeah. Sometimes it wasn't necessarily killer. It didn't matter because that was, it was funny because she was funny. So Bruce, that, when, that, when that, you're that writing, do
0: you w- when you're writing, Bruce, do you know instinctively what's funny to you, and can you be um, independently
2: critical of your work? Oh yeah, absolutely. I know I know what's, what's funny to me. I know what I think is funny, and then I can also be critical and say, yeah, that's not as good as it could be. <clears throat> uh, and but you never know what the audience reaction is going to be. I mean, you can. Mm-hmm. Kind of guess that you're going to have that there's going to be a a laugh there, and a lot of times you're right, but sometimes you're wrong, and you just kind of you know look at each other and go, "Well, we thought it would work." You know, is there any generally you don't go you don't go with stuff that's like that if if you don't have to. I mean, you you try and get rid of the marginal stuff, but yeah, sometimes you're wrong.
0: That's another great segue. Do do you ever? Reach a place where you you say to yourself, I can't go there or I won't go there.
2: Um, is there sure. ever
0: something that's like off limits?
2: <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, yeah, um, you know, I, uh, Holocaust jokes are off limits. I think. I mean, there's there's no way. I mean, there jokes made by Holocaust survivors are funny, but you have to put them in context. Uh, so, and generally, if you said, did anybody die? Did people die? I mean, I guess. Yeah. You know, you can make jokes about the Titanic. It was a hundred years ago and people did yeah. die. But, uh, <clears throat> but it, 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 uh, it depends on the joke that you're making about it. So those are always kind of, you know, and you realize you probably can't go that far. I mean, as I said earlier, if somebody had said to Chris Rock, you know, Jada lost her hair because of a disease, he probably wouldn't have remarked on it. Well, that's, that's
0: something what,
2: what, would, what would it get him? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if he, if he knew it was going to get him a bad reaction, why would he yeah. bother? Why would he do yeah. that? Especially on well, the Academy Award. That's the that's. The, many people are watching, and it lives that's in the million-dollar
0: question for sure. Is there um? There's always been this this kind of um. I don't know whether it's a link, whether it's an inextricable link, but the the uh, the tie-in from tragedy to comedy they say that you know great tragedy breeds great comedy
2: (coughs) yes i've heard that
0: (laughs) and so if that let's take that as the premise why what is it about tragic situations that are innately funny
2: well, it depends on what they are. As I said earlier, the definition of comedy has been tragedy plus time. You can, yeah. if enough time has gone by, you can look at it and you can you can say, you can see the humor in a situation. Is that Not really in a secret every situation, but um, I think in a general way, I mean, slipping on a banana peel is probably the classic example. When it actually yeah. happens to somebody, Sure. <laughs> if, it's, if it's the more pompous the person is, the more full of themselves, uh, their their fall is all is funny because you are rooting for them to fall. Now, yeah. if they fall and break a hip, it's not so funny. Yeah, true. You know, yeah. and and true. in none of those movies that any of the silent comics did was anybody actually hurt in any of those situations.
0: Well, I'll tell so, you what, I I'm a big silent film you know collector. I have a bunch of them: Chaplin and Harold Lloyd and uh, oh my God, uh, Fatty Arbuckle, guys like that. Uh, it's hard to imagine them not hurting themselves, <laughs> well, particularly, you know, you uh, Fatty Arbuckle and Harold Lloyd, because that crazy bastard did his <laughs> own stunts back in the day. Listen, I've,
2: MTV has a show called Ridiculousness where they show people yeah. wiping out and, uh, and, I don't and you know that. they got hurt. And they they don't even bother anymore to say, but he was OK.
1: Yeah, Because
2: nobody will believe that. And, <laughs> and they, they kind of can't. The reaction isn't so much a laugh as it's like a shock. It depends on how mm-hmm. bad how bad the, the situation is. I mean, for America's Home Video, it was always like the biggest laugh was somebody getting hit in the nuts. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know <laughs> yeah. it hurts, but, yeah, but yeah. you know they'll recover. Mm-hmm. Just, just nope. you saying you're hitting the nuts has got a laugh out of me because I think it's fucking <laughs> <hot laughs> funny. That was always. Right? And people fainting, people fainting at weddings. That was their other mm-hmm. big
0: deal. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Benji. Amelia, I'll yeah. tell you what, kid. Uh-huh. I'm gonna because you wanted Bruce on the show so badly, and you yes. got him. I am gonna let you get the last questions in, then uh, yes. then we'll say good night to Mister Valanche.
1: Oh, all absolutely. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. I and like Bruce,
0: to- when we say goodbye to you, just don't go anywhere. hanging there. All
2: right? Okay. Yes, I'll please. I
1: have you. <laughs> um, Of uh, your biggest accomplishments, what was the best show you've written?
2: Oh my God. I don't know. I never think that way. I mean, I you know, so I, so I used to be an interviewer, and I used to ask that question. And I realized nobody thinks that way. I mean, I did twenty-five Oscar shows. We won Emmys for them. So I did, uh, but I don't—I don't know what I qualify as the best. To tell you the absolute God's honest truth. I do because
1: you know why? Because you've written them all. The—they're all the best. Everything you've written.
2: There you go. All right, Amelia. Hey. <laughs>
0: Oh, we have, oh, good. I'm sorry, yes. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, uh-huh. Tiny mm-hmm. Tim's manager oh. and agent, Tiny Tim, the late Tiny Tim's manager and agent, is in our chat room oh. right now. Stephen Plim. And uh, there he says, Angelo, I had them all. <laughs> I know you did, Mr. Plim. But okay. So go ahead, Amelia.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say thank you, uh, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure yeah. for you to be here, and I actually would love for you to be on the show again, if so you have time. All
2: right, I'm around, you know.
1: Absolutely, because I'd like to talk you to you want. more about the shirts. Because there's one that I love that you said, "Patience with the battery it has one little bar on it." Oh, no, I need that one. <laughs> oh,
2: that's funny. Yeah, I have that. Yes, yeah. exactly. I wanted that one, one that says I slept
0: with your son. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't show that one the night. that nope. one that says, I slept with your son.
1: I like the one that says, oh, I, forget that, where I, wore that.
2: I forget where it was, but someplace appropriate.
1: The one that I says, I'm lost, sure. take me home with you. I like that. It could have been like a,
2: a flag a rally or something. <laughs> Funny.
0: Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, Bruce, why don't you tell everybody where they can uh, reach you on your
2: social media? Uh, you can, we got com, which is uh, a fan site. A friend, that a guy I know runs, and, and he knows what I'm doing before I know. I mean, I go there to find out where I am. And if you're in Wilmington, Delaware, in September, uh, I wrote a musical with Dolly Parton, which we're premiering at the Delaware Theater Company, called Here You Come Again. And it's uh, twenty uh, it'll, minutes. It'll be the world premiere. We're going to see. We're going to see how it works. It's all using all of her catalog songs.
0: I'll my tell you what. Putting my name on the guest list. I'll be there. And 20 well, I'm twenty minutes from that facility. Well, you are,
2: of course. I it's am. Great, yeah, they draw from a lot from Cherry Hill and that, yeah, the suburban Philly thing. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely, for sure. And the
2: Bidens are subscribers, so we're hoping they'll show up on one of their weekends. You know, where they're where they're when they get fed up with training the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Amelia, where can people reach you, young lady?
1: Or we're on Instagram on What's the Buzz or Amelia Bellario Chapman on Facebook or here with you on Tuesdays and Thursday nights or Amelia uh, aachat70 at gmail.com.
0: So let me see. I think I put that up on the screen for you here. Here it is. Hot damn. <laughs> the pit bull. And That's you right. can reach me at Mad Dog DeScipio on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, we are on right now. Thank you. To our sponsor, Manscaped, and soon a major beverage is joining us. And thank you. We are on 317 podcast platforms globally. I am blown away by the support our fans and friends have given us. And our sponsors have been nothing but gold. I love these guys at Manscaped. So join us each and every week. We are tomorrow. Oh, we got to tell everybody. Amelia, tomorrow night. A double header. Yeah. We've got Country Music Hall of Famer Lacey J. Dalton, along with a um, 1986 female vocalist of the year, Sylvia Hutton, both joining us tomorrow night. We are saluting the country la- the ladies of country music. And uh, join us next week. Mary Murphy from So You Think You Can Dance will be with us. And keep your fingers crossed. We are just a phone call away. From getting Michael Paré and Eric Roberts on the show. So, Ed McKeever, bring me home, baby, bring me home. <laughs> we want Eric Roberts and Michael on the show for sure. Mm-hmm. So, in the meantime, be good to each other. Take care, everybody. And remember, it's always about what's the buzz.
1: What's the buzz?